Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices that we take for granted are out of date, illogical, or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room, and I'm here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a couple of F-bombs thrown in for good measure. Pilates Elephants is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher who really fucking knows your stuff. I am here with Aidan O'Sullivan. Aidan, hi. Hi, Raph. How are you? I am pretty fucking awesome. How are you? Good. Glad, I'm glad to hear it. I'm pretty fucking awesome as well. I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Aidan, we're going to talk today about the influence of bodybuilding on Pilates uh, and on fitness culture in general. But uh, before we make a start on that, um, can you introduce yourself and just share whatever it is that you want to share about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, massive fan of the show, what you and Chloe have done. In fact, you you know the story too, Raph, but I pretty much invited myself onto this podcast just with a text message saying like, hey, I think this topic's pretty awesome. When you're ready, let's talk about it. And yeah. a couple of days later, <laughs> you got in contact with like, yeah, cool, let's, let's tee up the time. So that's good. I feel good about that. That's, I've made my way on, which is great. Um, so I guess my, um, like I, I started out, um, doing, you know, like a bachelor's of just like your health science, we call it human movement here at UniSA in South Australia. Um, and that sort of led me into like a sports science sort of stream. Um, I kept going with that and did a, a master's of, uh, sports science, strength and conditioning and sort of spent, uh, you know, sort of three, three, four years, working as a strength and conditioning coach with like different levels of um, athletes and um, elite athletes in different sports. So I did a bit of cricket and a um, bit of netball as well. Um, and somewhere along that journey, I was introduced to reformer Pilates. So that was about six years ago um, when KX Pilates Norwood opened up in, in SA. Shout, um, out, shout out to James Trinary. Shout out to James Trenary. Um And my partner in life and in business, Charlotte Griffin, shout out. Hey, Charlotte. Um, she, she wanted to be here listening on the other end of this phone call, but she's had to had to go. So um, she sort of got me introduced to um, – she was going to KX as a client and sort of introduced me to that and said, you know, sort of come along and um, I kind of – the classic, I think, male approach to it was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be like a walk in the park, a bit of stretching, you know, some light breathing here and there, and then, like, we'll be fine. And I reckon five minutes into the warm-up, I was pretty much cooked, yeah. and I was pretty much useless after that. So that was my first experience with Pilates or Reformer Pilates. Um, and then I must have made some sort of impression. Uh, and then we – we started, Charlotte and I started teaching Reformer Pilates together um, about six years ago, I reckon. We'll be coming up on six years. So and that was with, with KX. 
Um, and KX is still, uh, is a, is the biggest Pilates franchise here in Australia. And the basic uh, format is you know fourteen or so reformers in a room, some pumping tunes, and a high intensity yep. workout. That's the that's the that's the goal. Um, so that's that's a lot of fun. Um, so that's a that's every Thursday for me these days. Um, and I think within that. As the brand started to expand across the country and even in the state, I sort of took up a role um, as a, a, a training development manager. So I ran a lot of workshops um, for the various KX studios. It started off in South Australia and sort of expanded into other states as well. Um, uh, and we did a lot of online stuff as well. When COVID came along, we sort of um, migrated onto online and started running seminars and workshops like similar to your your um stuff online rack with your diploma and, and those kinds of things sort of like live live sessions over zoom on certain topics uh-huh. um so i've probably spent the last three years in the pilates sort of stratosphere mainly as just an educational um resource so i only teach like three classes a week um and the rest of my time is spent with other trainers, with other studios and owners and running workshops for their trainers and, and doing that kind of stuff. Um, and that's both like Pilates specific, but also just exercise in general. Right. Um, and you're also so, uh, co-owner of the Fitspace, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, uh, Fitspace, shout out to the Fitspace. Um, we were a small group fitness gym in South Australia. Um, and I sort of, Started off there just as a trainer. When I was doing a lot of stuff um, in the Pilates world, I didn't really have the time to, to do much else for the fit space. But um, now that things have been shuffled around a little bit, um, Charlotte allowed me to jump in on, on what she was doing. Um, and so, yeah, for the last 12, 12, 18 months, her and I have been tackling that, that beast together, which has been really fun. Um, and that's like not... Not Pilates, um, but just like general strength and conditioning in the gym, that kind of stuff. So um, it's good. It keeps it keeps things interesting for me. It allows me to, you know, teach some Pilates, but also get in the gym. And and um, I think, you know, funnily enough, they uh, they're both similar in a lot of ways. And there's both things that you can do in the gym and on a on a reformer that uh, are really beneficial for people. So um, it's a it's a unique experience. Pretty lucky in that sense. It's it's certainly helped out my Pilates teaching a lot over the years. Yeah, and you know the the principles of how humans move and you know how strength is developed and stuff are the same regardless of whether you're doing it on a reformer or under a barbell. So absolutely, yeah, it's yeah. the same foundational knowledge. And um, yeah. you and I share a reason, you know, fairly much a common sort of educational pathway. I did a Bachelor of Exercise Science and a Master of Clinical Exercise Physiology. So mine was a little bit more focused on the clinical stuff and yours was yeah. more in the strength and conditioning, but it's like there's a massive crossover uh, between yeah. the two. Um, so, so, you know, basically we're both sort of master's degree qualified personal trainers, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and sometimes I'm kind of like, am I am I mad about that or am I am I okay with that? I think I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay I think with it. <laughs> it's it's kind of that situation of like you know, big fish, little pond kind of situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's I'm, I'm certainly not mad that I've 
done all this study, which is, you know, like you were saying, like you've done all this research and study that's meant to lead you this way, but you have kind of gone somewhere along the line, like, actually, that's kind of a bit boring. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Yeah. And you sort of just change your mind and, and, and start doing other things. And probably, I think, like bringing in other passions, yeah. you know? And I think for you and um, certainly myself, like education and, and that kind of stuff and having awesome chats like this is how I'd like to spend my time. So, um, you know, getting the ability to do that, I think is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 100%. I, I actually like, I think I tell people I'm, I'm trying to be wrath bender. I'm just like 20 years, like beforehand yeah, well, I'm you're, coming up. You're I'm, probably I'll, 20 years younger, younger than me as well. So yeah. maybe well, even more. <laughs> <laughs> So it's got, oh, it's twenty years of experience and learning though. I'm certainly not a anatomy guru like yourself. I'm not a guru. There's um, plenty of things I don't know about anatomy. There's some things I do well, know though. There's some. There's plenty of things that you do know about though. Um, and so, and I and I actually, I want to thank you because I reckon it was probably we're actually building the gym, the fit space. We're building it. Uh, this so this was May 2019 when we opened. And I reckon the week before that, I can't remember why, but you you and I were texting back and forth about something. I had some questions and you were like, oh, I'll just give you a call. And so we had a call. I don't know if you remember this. And you were like, um, we started talking about what I was doing and what you were doing. Um, and I think there were some questions in there about like strength training. Naturally, that's pretty much what you and I talk about. Yeah. And so. Most interesting topic you, in the world. Of course. Absolutely. 100%. And you were like, oh, you should check out this book. And it was Strength, Strength is Specific, specific by yeah, Chris, Beardsley. Chris Beardsley. You actually you actually bought it for me. Now that I know that it was only like, what is it? Like three, four bucks? Three dollars or something, yeah. Three dollars. <laughs> I was like, oh, gee, Raph is so generous. And I was like, actually, it's a, <laughs> a three dollar book. What a cheapskate. So, <laughs> but it, and you the were value like, you should it, read this book. The value of it is oh, a crazy. lot more than three dollars. So shout out to Chris and, and that book. That's, yeah. that's, um, that I think that for me, that conversation you and I had, reading that book, kind of like reignited my passion and interest in strength training. Like I started actually doing strength training myself more because at that point I was really just doing um, like reformer-based stuff, huh. um, and I was like, well, you know, I've got access to this awesome gym now, uh, and I'm like reading about all these cool things. So I want to kind of put them into practice. Um, and at this point you were all over the socials with your, like, you know, 2.5 plus times body weight deadlifts. And I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to get there. So I started doing that too. So Mm. I reckon, and then that sort of set me on this path, I reckon, this path of, of wanting to learn more about, um, strength and conditioning and strength training and just anything in general and how it all applies to, um, to reformer stuff because I think uh, in, in my experience going around and, and talking to lots of different trainers um, in the, the KX network, I think a, a lot of what they're really wanting to learn is, is like you said at the start, like just how, how, what is, what's the physiological mechanism of how people get strong? Like what happens when I, you know, I start by using like a, you know, a lighter spring, like a half spring or a one full spring. And then I go up to the next, next spring or, um, you know, adding resistance to make an exercise harder or even on a reformer, like, you know, removing spring resistance to make an exercise harder. Um, what actually happens to me there? 
Like, how do I, how do I progress? And I, I think no matter what the topic was of the workshop, it always sort of started to come back to that of like, well, what does actually happen when I'm, when I'm training and when I'm trying to get strong and what's, what should I be thinking about? And it's, you know, certainly not what specific muscle am I activating at what joint angle, you know, to maximize this look, that look, hypertrophy, whatever it is. Like I, it's, it's not that. And I think that's what people thought it was, but it's really just like, just put me in a position, put some springs on, load me up, make it hard and play some awesome music as we do it. And I'll come back for another round. Like right. <laughs> that's and, pretty much it. Yeah. The, and there's, so this, that's a great place to sort of, um, segue into our conversation about the influence of bodybuilding uh, sort of culture and sort of training methods on Pilates and on fitness training in general. Um, yeah. And so, you know, to distinguish between the what we just talked about there of strength versus hypertrophy, which means uh, growing your muscles bigger. So hyper means more than and troph- or tropic um, means growth. So hypertrophy means to make it literally grow bigger. Um, grow bigger. Um, and, uh, you know, to a certain extent, you know, uh, strength and hypertrophy are pretty closely related. Like, you know, I'm sure that everybody listening to this has noticed in their real life that on, you know, on average, people with bigger muscles tend to be stronger than people with stronger muscles, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. But... Uh, it's not the only thing that contributes to strength. There are other things, and like you sort of alluded to there, there are a bunch of physiological mechanisms that underpin strength, you know, one of which is muscle size, another one which is tendon stiffness, another one is cross-links between adjacent muscle fibers. Then there are some neural factors like um, load-specific coordination, um, you know, intermuscular coordination, um, the ability to recruit high-threshold mode units. So there are a whole bunch of 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 factors that contribute to strength and muscle size is one of them. Um, and so, but in, so in strength training, so in sports like Olympic weightlifting or, you know, most strength and conditioning activities for any sport, we're really interested in developing strength or power or speed or some combination of all of the above. Whereas in bodybuilding, it's not about strength or power or speed. It's about muscle size, which is yeah. not the same thing. Um, although it is related, yeah. Uh, and so in, you know, in, uh, I mean, when I did my personal training qualification, like way back in the sort of late nineties, um, you know, we were taught by actual bodybuilders and a former Mr. Australia actually was, was our, uh, weights, you know, coach, you know, and awesome. so, so, and, and all of the textbooks that I've read, like in, of that era anyway, for personal training sort of all have this kind of underpinning set of assumptions that are based around bodybuilding methodology. Um, and so, yeah, so let's, this, that's kind of what you pitched to me, uh, in our text conversation a couple of weeks back yeah. and so what really I thought was a really valuable topic. So, you know, I'm, I don't know how much listeners you know, to this podcast know about bodybuilding, but I'm going to assume, you know, that most of you are a blank slate out there when it comes to bodybuilding. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so Aidan, talk us through, you know, what you see as kind of the, the, the sort of underpinning assumptions of bodybuilding and and that, that have um, uh, sort of permitted or in, influenced Pilates uh, and that basically we sort of take as, you know, fact where in reality they're just kind of like conventions of how people train for bodybuilding. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I, I think um, it's important to, yeah, understand exactly what bodybuilding is. And like you said, like it's 
It has nothing to do. You don't even need to be the strongest person, you know, up there. You just need to look a certain way. And I don't know, like, if if anyone's seen, like, bodybuilding competitions and, like, what it is, but it's, like, it's a bunch of, like, people, like, men, women, standing up there in outrageously dark fake tan, like, to the point where it's, like, almost bronze or gold, and you're just standing there in next to no clothing, just, like, flexing your muscles for, for judges. So, like, putting putting your body in weird positions to, you know, show this set of muscles, like, you know, um, you turn around and you like, you flex your back muscles. So they the umpires and the, or the referees and judges can look at your back muscles. Like it's, it's literally all about what it looks like. Right. And, and like there's, uh, you know, there's person- like ratios, like it's, it's a full thing. It's crazy. Right. And, uh, you know, disclaimer personally, I'm bodybuilding's not my thing. Uh, and I'm assuming no. Aiden, it's not your thing either, but, uh, you know, no. more power to people who are into bodybuilding and fucking pe- people getting moving and getting strong in any way, shape or form, I think should be celebrated. So, you know, if you want, if you like 100%. bodybuilding, wearing tiny little glitzy sequin G strings, you know, yeah. that's good for you. Do it. Go for it. Go nuts. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's at the end of the day, like it's, you're training, you're exercising. I think sometimes you can, like any exercise, you can get a little bit carried away and it ends up being like this extremely controlled part of your life where right. you know you're eating certain things and you're like you're giving up a lot in your life just to to do it and you know that's probably a discussion for another time but like but we see yeah, that in, we see you, that in other sports too like triathlon oh, you know like so many sports you know at the extreme end, cross, crossfit you know <laughs> have yeah. that kind yeah. of uh almost cult-like slash obsessive compulsive you know yeah. m- you know habitual, you know, eating patterns and training patterns and all of that stuff. So anyway, let's not get into that. But yeah, so what do you see as the what do you see as the main kind of uh sort of uh bodybuilding uh you know practices or attitudes or belief systems that have informed Pilates uh and uh that, you know, and are really just not, you know, sort of universal axioms about exercise. They're more just like that's how bodybuilders do it. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's probably a lot. Like it's it's certainly a 100% main focus on the aesthetics of what's the end result going to look like. If I do this exercise, what is what, like what what shape will then my body take? And that like comes to body parts of, um, I think in the Pilates world, it's, you know, everyone seems to just want like really big, strong bums and like that's the tiny waists. Yeah, tiny waists with like rippling six packs. Like that's it's, it's you just want Pilates people just walking around looking like that, you know. But I just don't think that that's isn't it funny how we we poke fun at all those bodybuilders going ah oh, ha ha look at them they always do arm day they skip leg day look at them they're obsessed with their guns yeah. you know and then it's like yeah okay let's not worry about guns let's let's focus on butt yeah it's all about yeah. the butt so it's like we're just exactly. doing this, we're just doing the same thing but just same thing yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, and I, in order to do that, like the end result of like body training is like, like we said, like it's a lifestyle thing. It, it, it impacts every asset or like aspect of your life. Like it's, it's years and years and years of enormous volumes of training and crazy amount of eating discipline. Um, like it's, it's a lot. And I think it's probably worth saying 
With a reformer Pilates, like that's just, if that's what you want to end up looking like, you, you need to get off a reformer and into a gym. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you're not going to, you're not going to get there with the springs and, and, and gravity and using your own body weight. Like it, it unfortunately requires a little bit more than that, but yeah. it's, I think the main, the main thing about bodybuilding that I see is pervasive across um, Pilates, but also like in other health and fitness and just like gym training, training in general yeah, is, yeah. yeah, is like this, this idea of like split days. Like, you know, today I do like legs and then tomorrow I'm doing like my back and biceps and then like it's chest and tries on Wednesdays. And then I do another leg day on Friday or whatever it is. And it's, you know, because, because you're trying to get so much volume into your sessions and into your week, that's kind of the way that you have to do it. Yeah. All right. You so know, let, you have to you have to split things up. Let's let's unpack that for a second. So the, all right. So the first kind of big assumption here is, or you know, belief uh, from bodybuilding is, uh, you know, essentially we're doing it for aesthetics, and therefore, you know, because we're doing it for aesthetics, and and again, no judgment. Aesthetics is no. not a bad is not a bad goal, right? If you want to look better, freaking awesome. You know, go for it. <laughs> um, and yeah. and. I want to look better too, you know. So yeah. I, I, I don't oh, I judge. I do my bicep curls in the mirror and stuff as well. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong; I'm all about it too. Um, so different level. So, so, but the assumption from bodybuilding is that it's about aesthetics because that's that's like by definition that's what bodybuilding is, um, yeah. and therefore you know with bodybuilding it's not just about being bigger; it's about creating symmetry and the right shape, right? So you want yeah. you know a certain muscle to be a certain size in proportion to the other muscle that you, you know, yeah. maybe the deltoid in proportion to the trapezius or in proportion to the biceps or whatever. So, yeah. so it's, so it's not just about making everything bigger. It's about, you know, sculpting the body as yeah. it were, you know, figuratively. Yeah. Um, and, and so hence we want, you know, in bodybuilding, we want to target and isolate, you know, to a certain extent, it's not ever possible to truly isolate a muscle, but, you know, to a certain yeah. extent we want to target, you know, the biceps in this exercise, but not the deltoids, for example, because yeah. we want to, you know, be, be able to selectively stimulate, you know, muscle A to, to get bigger without stimulating muscle B to get bigger because otherwise the, the symmetry will be, you know, wrong. Yeah. So, the proportions are out. Yeah. Right. So, so that notion that we isolate, you know, we train by isolating muscles, okay, rather than by doing like big compound movements that work, say, your delts and your biceps and your pecs and your triceps all in one movement, Right. That would be more of a strength and conditioning approach. Yeah. Whereas, you know, where we might do something just like bench press, right? Just works everything. Okay. Yeah. Whereas in a bodybuilding thing, we might do so like bicep curls and tricep push downs and deltoid lateral raises and, and different exercises yeah. to isolate each of those muscle groups. And it, like I said, you can't ever truly isolate a muscle group, but but you can you can you can, you know, bias an exercise so one muscle's working harder and another muscle's working less hard you know, by yes. changing where the load is or where you're moving or whatever. So, yep. so thence we, you know, hence we get to this kind of, you know, if you look at sort of uh, people who are serious bodybuilders, they do split routines. So, d- you know, day one, they might do, like you say, like back and triceps or whatever. Yeah. Day two is biceps and chest. Day three is legs and abs or whatever. And so they'll split it up and then they'll, you know, rip, rinse and repeat that throughout the week. So they end up training six, six days a week often. And, yes. and we often, you know, I mean, the, to me, that seems like a lot of Pilates classes that I've been to, a lot of uh, the social media Pilates sequences I see on Instagram 
are about, you know, today's workout is a quick, you know, guns and inner thighs yeah. workout, or it's a quick butt yeah. and abs workout. What it's like, so we, we have this sort of underlying assumption that I think is so foundational. It's like it's invisible to us, you know, yeah. that, that yeah. a workout, you know, should focus on certain muscles, but not necessarily all muscles. Others. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's everywhere. Like, and, and I, and this is, so for people listening, like if, if you're thinking like, oh shit, <laughs> I've been doing that or I've been saying that or whatever and talking about certain muscles and getting them to this shape, like I, I was fully doing the same thing when I started. Like I remember there was something, something to do with, I can't believe, it must have been like some sort of like kickback on a, on a reformer, so, you know, so like you're facing the pulleys, the straps on your foot and you load the springs up and you're, like, you're pushing the strap you know, backwards towards the, the football. Mm-hmm. And I used to talk about like, you know, if you change the angles of, um, you know, of where your, your knees and toes, so like if you externally rotate and those things, like I used to talk about like you've got your, like your back bum, which is like, you know, for me it was like, yeah, you glute. So that's going to make your bum like, you know, protrude more backwards, right? But then if you like do it this way, then that's going to target like glute med and glute, min and then you're gonna like it's gonna make your butt go wider so i was like you know fully trying to get these people to be like you know this is how you make your butt like bigger and then wider and then this shape and then that shape like i did the same thing i reckon every time i spoke about doing some sort of oblique exercise with rotation or lateral flexion and it was always like literally every time like it was like a habit or a script of saying like, you know, this is going to give you like a V-shaped type six pack, uh-huh. like towards the bottom where your hips come in. Like that's, you know, that's what we're here for. Kind of, And I think I would throw in some sort of joke about like, you know, bikinis or like, you know, bathers or summer body or what. And like, so I was fully doing it. And that was, it was almost like I was trying to convince the people in my class, like that's what they wanted. And yeah. like, and I was convinced that's what they wanted here. So it was this back, like you said, like invisible back and forth of like, I think you want me to tell you that and do this for you. And you think that I want you to do it. So we're just back and forth doing it. And then it just becomes this, this problem, you know, like, I I don't know. It's like a chicken and the egg thing. Like, I don't know who's doing it first, but it's, it's just there. Right. And the, the irony is that, you know, and you know, as you know, that, you know, when you load a muscle, you know, uh, sufficiently, you, stimulate it to grow and you know so when you load your say the uh, sacral fibers of gluteus maximus by doing hip extension with adduction and lateral rotation well you know if you load them sufficiently your butt will protrude backwards a little bit more backwards um, yeah yeah um and you know but somehow we have this kind of like paradoxical belief that when you load the abdominals they get smaller you know, smaller. So yeah. when you load when you load your abs, your waist gets smaller. But when you load your smaller. butt, it gets bigger. It's like, well, how the fuck does that work? You know? Yeah, I mean, and again, if you, I, I kind of want people like if you're listening to this podcast or afterwards, like go and Google some different bodybuilders and like look at the size of their even like females as well because like this is a male and female sport. Like you look at the size of their like waist or their abdominals. Like if you look at them from like a profile side on it looks like their abs are like half a meter out off their body. Yeah. Like it's, they're enormously, it almost looks like you've, you've got like this like beer gut, but it's just like rock solid muscle. 
Yeah, you I think I mean? that's probably to do it's, with how much insulin and human growth hormone they sub. You know, probably, take. it's <laughs> definitely got something to do with that. But yeah, you're right. Like it's 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 this notion of if I train these muscles really hard, if I do lots and lots of crunches or Pilates hundreds or whatever it is, that it's going to make my stomach smaller and all that kind of stuff. And that's probably a conversation about like the whole myth around you know spot like fat loss like right. if i do crunches i'll lose stomach fat kind of thing and i think that's kind of been put to bed like i know that chloe and yourself spoke uh, about that i don't kind of stuff. i don't think it has been put to bed I oh, you haven't? Oh, every day. yeah yeah well uh, yes that's true it's, it certainly hasn't but like i think it, yeah it, it definitely comes to that like if i yeah i'm gonna do lots of crunches and then that's gonna make my abs really quite small no. but in the same sense like if i if i don't do any but I just like eat less and lose weight, then you'll be able to see my six pack. Correct. Like, well, if we, if people talk about like toning and definition and, and, and that's probably, you know, part of this conversation as well as like the language, everything about Pilates is always based around like the marketing is like toning and, and, you know, whatever. And what they're really toning and definition. And what you're really saying there is like muscle size and shape and look, which is, Bodybuilding is toning and definition. It's just that they don't call it toning and definition. Right. They call it like getting bulking, absolutely enormously sh- large, bulking, yeah. shredding, ripped, bulking. Like it's the same thing, but different language. Yeah, and I, I, like, why, I, why? I think we've already. I think Chloe and I talked about this one time, but basically, I see the word toning as just a kind of. Uh, you know, female-friendly euphemism for, um, you know, hypertrophy. (laughs) Because we don't want to say this exercise will, you know, will make your calves bigger, you know. Um, But, you know, this exercise will tone your calves is is much more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that language is, you know, like I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, Chloe and I, but – you know, in my view, the word toning is kind of a, you know, what marketers view, or I think most people view it as a kind of a female-friendly euphemism for hypertrophy, you know, for muscle yeah. growth, you know. Like if, if, you, if, you, you know, if you're a marketer and you're trying to market Pilates, you probably don't want to say, you know, this exercise will bulk your thighs up, right? No. But <laughs> if you say this exercise will tone your thighs, all of a sudden that sounds, oh, that's something, you know, I want as a woman, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, but, but in reality, like toning is not an actual physiological thing, you know, <laughs> it's just marketing speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, but like, it's, it, and I'm sure that there are Pilates instructors out there that have, that either have, or currently are talking about that kind of stuff. Cause like I've touched on, like, that's pretty much all I said. And, and it, my experience has been teaching the form of Pilates and for whatever reason it it's very much like a, a female dominant like clientele you know most of the people I'm seeing are females and so therefore it's kind of not about what I think and about what I want because for me I'm like yeah like massive shoulders biceps huge legs whatever I'm all cool with that but I know that that's not what these people want to hear so then I just like I change the way that I talk about things so like whether consciously or not, I'm I'm like having that same bias of like, well, I won't say size or growth or big. I'll use like slim tone and defined uh-huh. those words. Yeah. 
you know, and it's, that's, and I would have to consciously think about like, well, yeah, what do these people want to hear? And they want to hear that if I, if I'm doing my footwork, my double leg footwork on, you know, four or five springs or whatever it is, if I'm doing some like calf raises, then I can be like, yeah, sweet. Let's like calf raises. And then, you know, you're going to have good looking like calves, something about like high heels as well. Like things that I would just never in my day to day life talk about, think about at all. I'm finding myself things because I think that that's what people want to hear. And and to be honest, I think that that is what some people want to hear. They want to hear like, yeah, this is, I'm going to get like toned thighs or whatever. If I do lots of like side splits on a reformer on light springs, I'm going to like tone my inner thighs. But if I do, you know, really heavy glute work, I'm going to make the glutes bigger. I want that. I want that, Aiden. Like, tell me how I, how do I do that? And I'm like, I don't don't know. That's not a, I can't do that for you. There's somehow this, you know, paradoxical belief that light, light weights will tone and define you, whereas big weights will make you bigger, you know, and which again, physiologically is not, not true, not accurate. Yeah. Um, all right. So there's this, I, you know, there's this kind of notion around aesthetics is kind of the centerpiece of what we're doing. It's all about sort of, you know, targeting certain muscles and therefore workouts target certain muscles. And therefore we get into the kind of the split routine, you know, thing that we're doing buys and tries one day yeah. and chest and back the other day or whatever. Now I have to say, like, I actually do a split routine myself. Now I don't do bodybuilding style training. I do, I guess some kind of hybrid between athletic style training and maybe powerlifting training. Powerlifting, both, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm focused on actually developing strength and power and speed. So I'm yep. not interested in like whether my biceps bigger or smaller than my triceps or any any of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I do a split routine for two reasons. One is just because I do I do quite a bit of volume every week, and it's just it's yep. not feasible for me to do that in a whole body routine, the, the workout ends up taking two hours and I'm just exhausted yeah. at the end of it. So I have to, I have to split it up yeah. somehow. So I choose yeah. to split it up by upper body, lower body. And the reason I choose to split it by upper body, lower body is because, and this is something I see a lot on, uh, in, in Pilates you know, classes, um, is that the, you know, the, the load needed to stimulate, you know, strengthening in your legs is way higher than that need to stimulate strengthening your arms because for 99% yeah. of us, our legs are way stronger than our arms, right? So, yeah. Yeah. so the, a load that's heavy enough, like when you're squatting it to, to really stimulate your glutes and quads to, to get stronger, right? It's like, you're not going to be able to overhead press that amount of weight. No. You know? Like, you know, so, so if, I mean, you know, if you're, you know, doing sort of squats or lunges and you've got like a two kilo dumbbell in each hand, Okay. And you, and at the same time, then you're overhead pressing that. Well, I guess in one sense, that is kind of a whole body exercise. Like, you know, in literally in the sense that, you know, you are using your whole body, but but the stimulus will not be sufficient to increase strength of the leg muscles just because it's nowhere near heavy enough. No. Yeah. You know, most people, most people would need, you know, close to their body weight, you know, on their shoulders in order to, yeah. you know, to to stimulate significant strengthening in the leg. So a couple of two kilo dumbbells just ain't going to do it. So that's, no. I think also that's why, you know, uh, a lot of people, including myself, do do a split routine, even though we're not interested in aesthetics or isolating muscles per se. But it's just like, well, if you want to strengthen your legs, you've got to put 150 kilos on the bar. And I'm sorry, yeah. I, I can't bicep curl that, you know. 
No. <laughs> Why not rack? And yeah. plus, well, you, you should never biceps curl in the squat rack. That's another thing. No, no, that's a that's a that's an unwritten rule. <laughs> you can't you can't do that. Absolutely not. Um, another nah. another thing that I think that that uh, is like oh, it totally comes from bodybuilding is this notion of like pushing to, you know, right to the point of fatigue and really like, you know, in quotes, shocking the muscle, like giving it an unaccustomed stimulus, you know? And I think, you know, to me, this comes all the way back from that, you know, documentary from 1977. Well, it's really a docudrama from 1977 uh, or with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, called Pumping Iron. Um, And, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, was a seven time Mr. Olympian, you know, at, you know, many people consider him one of the greatest bodybuilders, if not the greatest bodybuilder who ever lived. And certainly yeah. at that time, he was certainly the, you know, the preeminent bodybuilder in the world, the most successful ever. Yeah. And this this documentary basically focuses on him. He's talking about his does like 35 sets of bicep curls or whatever. You know, it's like ridiculous amounts of volume, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, um, so much. And he's, he talks about, you know, shocking the muscle and taking the muscle to failure and then you take some weight off the bar so you can just lift it and then you do another set. And when you fail, then you take yeah. a little bit more weight off the bar and you go again until you can't even lift the bar. And then you get yeah. someone to help you lift the bar and you lower the bar, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then someone's lifting you and you're holding the bar like it's <laughs> – Right. Just keep going. And so that mentality is very prevalent in bodybuilding. And also in bodybuilding, we, you know, commonly people tend to take shorter breaks in between sets because they want to maximize the fatigue, right? So this notion that fatigue is a key stimulus for growth. Uh, and, you know, that's a separate question that I want to maybe get into in a different episode. And there's there's a bit of controversy about that. I would say, though, that the vast majority of researchers would g- agree that mechanical tension on a muscle is the primary stimulus yep. for, for growth and strength gains and that yep. there there is disagreement amongst researchers about whether fatigue is even a factor at all. And yeah. certainly if it is a factor, it's nowhere near as important as mechanical tension. So, yeah. yeah so anyway, let, let's sort of shuffle that to the side for now. But um, this notion that we we have from bodybuilding of like, the you, if you want to get ultimate, you know, gains, you have to push ultimately hard. And if you, yeah. could, you know, if you sort of drag yourself out, you know, on your, on your belly from the workout, because you can't even stand up anymore, like yeah. that means it was a good workout. And, and I think yeah. to a certain extent we have that culture in Pilates. Oh, absolutely. I think like, I, I couldn't tell you how many times like people have spoken to me about like, I love the, like the shaky, the shaky leg situation. I love the feeling of like total fatigue in my muscles. Um, it's yeah, all the time. And the I mean, time. I see people going, you know, oh, so and so's class really fucked me up. Like, and like, yeah. as, and that's a good thing, right? Um, I'm sore, so I, like it was awesome because I'm yeah, sore. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah, it's crazy. And I like interesting to what you're saying before, like. Do you think that that's probably like that notion of like the drop set thing that you were explaining where it's like starts really heavy and then you just keep going and you keep making it lighter so that you can keep going. Um, my experience with Pilates is that's what, that's what I've done on a reformer, both as, as a client, but also as a trainer. Yeah. Like I'll be like, cool, we're going to start on like 
three strings and we're doing, you know, whatever it is, like upper body, you know, work with the with the straps facing the front of the machine or whatever. And it's like, we're just going to, you know, do some chest flies or, or some shoulder press or whatever it is. And it's like, cool. I'm looking around the room. Everyone's starting to like fail. All right, take off one spring. Let's keep going. You go again, another sort of 30, 60 seconds pass. Cool. Take off another spring. Let's go again. Like it's like, do you think that that's probably – a bodybuilding thing as well, this notion of like drop sets. Yeah, I reckon it is. I think yeah. the notion that – I think, yeah, it, I think it does come from bodybuilding. Um, and I also think that it's like it's also, uh, you know, the, the kind of whole mentality of no pain, no gain, and therefore more pain equals more gain, um, yeah. you know, is problematic when it comes to uh, strengthening and, you know, training in, in – Health. Yeah, health. In general, right? health. Um, and I, you know, like I, I'm also, uh, I try, I like to think of myself as a, a realist and I, I, I am a firm believer in sell people what they want in order to give them what yeah. they need. Right. So if I'm yeah. saying, you know, Hey, come to my classes, you won't tone, we won't make your butt bigger and we won't make your thigh gap bigger, you know, yeah. like, well, those all might be truthful claims, but I'm, my class is going to be pretty fucking empty, I think. You know, yeah. <laughs> if that's yeah. my marketing message, yeah. right? Yeah. So if I, I say, <laughs> if I say, you know, sure. come, come to that. my classes to tone and define yourself, right? Even though internally I roll my eyes and go, well, those aren't real fucking things, but you know, but people make a meaning inside their head when they hear those words, yeah. right? And yeah. so then they come to my classes and what do I give them? I give them strengthening, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, but I just but don't. Tell them that's what they want. Right, yeah. right. And so, so. At, at the end of the day, we both get what we want, you know, <laughs> they get toned and yeah. refined, whatever they think that is. And they also yeah. get stronger, which is, has a myriad of health benefits and mental health benefits and all of the rest of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Endless. Right. And so like, I'm not opposed to selling people what they want in order to give them what they need, right? Because if you no. don't give them what they want, you also generally can't give them what they need because they won't buy anything no, from it. They right? won't be there. They won't be there. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. so again, no judgment. In fact, I, if I had a Pilates studio still, which I don't anymore, thankfully, um, yeah. because I feel like I've done my time there. But uh, if I had a Pilates studio, I would probably be using words like tone and define and whatever on my marketing, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Just because, I mean, I would do some market research, but I think it's like, yeah, you've got to meet people where they're at and, you know, talk to them in language that makes sense to them. And and people people don't, when, the, when someone's on Google typing in Pilates near me, right, they're not looking for a fucking anatomy and physiology lesson, you know, no. they don't want to lecture no. on the difference between Tony's not a real thing and it's all about mechanical tension and a muscle fiber. They just want yeah. a fucking Pilates class where they can tone and define themselves. You know, yeah. Like that's. So would you <laughs> would you talk about that though in your class then? Like if you're saying I would I would use it in the marketing, but then I would give them like strengthening and then that kind of stuff. But would you would you use the language of toning and defining as well in your class when you were teaching? Uh, well, do you think that's a good idea? Well. Uh, Oh, you know, I'm sure. Does that further does that further the problem of like now I'm telling you, you trust me to know what I'm talking about. So it's this thing of like, well, I heard my Pilates instructor Raf tell me that this is like toning and defining. Yeah, so then yeah, therefore yeah. it is toning and, and defining. I'm now perpetuating the problem. Yeah. So yeah. so uh, you know, I'm pretty sure most of us who teach or do Pilates would know that the reasons that you start are not necessarily the reasons why you continue. Right. No. So we not. wander in because we've got a sore back, or we want to tone up our abs, or we want to improve our posture, or whatever. And you know, five years yeah. later, we're still doing it because it feels good, and we like the yeah. people, and it just you know yeah. it 
clears our head. And, you know, there are so yeah. many other reasons that could take over in importance. And so I think uh, in order to, you know, turn that kind of one-time, you know, new client into a, a long-term client, you've got to, you know, facilitate that transition from the kind of extrinsic motivation of I want to look good to yeah. the intrinsic motivation of this is fun, you know, this yeah. makes me feel good when I do it, you know. So yeah. I, I, it, they've, they've got to enjoy it for the just for the sake of doing it. You know that Doing those are the well, people. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a raffi. I'm gonna bring up a, a study that we've got. So this is um, what year are we looking at here? 2019 effects of exercise motivations on body image, eating habits slash behaviors. A systematic review. Um, so these guys looked at what is it? 20 26 studies were included, um, and they were looking at the links between like exercise motivations, like you're saying, and body image. Um, and exploring like, you know, the links between all that and what you were just saying, Raph is like exactly spot on. So they've, they've sort of said autonomous motivations. So like things for pleasure, health, well-being, like social aspects, whatever it is, those general overbranching um, benefits of exercise were associated with positive like body image. So like, I think positively about the way I look healthier eating habits and behaviors, which is also good. Whereas comparing it to those that were exercising for like appearance related things. So like what we're talking about, thighs need to be smaller, bum needs to be bigger, abs need to be toned and like thin waist, all that kind of stuff was, you know, the inverse of that. They had their exercise um, adherence long-term was less and they had, um, you know, worse outcomes when it came to body image and eating behaviors and, and habits, which I think like, so like you're saying, if you can, you might come for like, I want to look this certain way, but if you can convince people to stay because of literally anything else, like, Oh, cool. You know, your friend comes now and you guys get coffee every Tuesday after the class or whatever it is, it could be absolutely anything long-term. They're going to keep rocking up. And they're going to start going from once a week to twice a week, three times a week. All of a sudden, they're exercising four times a week. And if you're giving them strength training exercise, then they're going to have endless benefits. 100%. Still, still yeah. thinking, though, that it's like, oh, I'm coming here to, like, you know, look a certain way. But if you can just, like, never talk about it, don't even ever bring it up. So, like you're saying, you might put on your marketing and get people through the door, but pretty quickly as the trainer – in there, you're not talking about that. You're not focusing on it. You're certainly not planning your classes around that. No. Doing like, like you said at the start, oh, today is bums and abs. That perpetuates the idea of like changing body shape and aesthetics. 100%. So if you just don't bring that up and you just give people full body workouts that are going to make them fit and strong and happy and healthy, they're going to keep coming back and two years will pass and like, oh, I actually haven't thought about what my like butt looks like or my abs look like but funnily enough they might actually be happy with the result they'll be like i feel strong and my butt is big like my jeans are a little bit tighter that's kind of great but like i don't it's not my focus anymore like it's it's almost becomes rather than the primary focus it becomes this secondary benefit of like oh i actually do kind of look a little bit better feel a little bit better but I, i'm not focused on that anymore like it's not my motivator yeah and you know, I think there are 
there are definitely other motivators for people to start exercise. It might be, you know, they want to get out of pain. They want to improve their energy. Yeah. They want to get stronger. They want to play with their grandkids. You know, they want to, you know, yeah. what, you know, like there are lots of reasons they want to improve their mental health. There are lots of reasons why people start exercise. And so, you know, depending on, you know, who I was marketing to, you know, I may or may not use toning and whatever, but, but I guess what I'm saying is I, I, whoever I was marketing to, I would talk to them in the language that they are using inside their head to describe their mm. problem, you know, yeah. whether that is, you know, physiologically and factually true or not is in my mind is kind of like, well, it's, that's irrelevant. Cause if you, if you don't use the language that they're using, they won't hear you. Yeah. They won't relate it. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. Totally get that. So, you know, and that may be super controversial. And uh, if you're listening to this and you disagree, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, you can DM me on Instagram and we can have a great conversation. Um, all right. Uh, all right. So aesthetics, isolating muscles, sort of pushing to, you know, more pain equals more gain. Um, yeah. And we chicken can't... cross videos. Can we talk about chicken cross videos, Raph? Like, do we want to have a rehash that? What what that thing? Chicken cross videos. The, the whole, so like you know all the videos. Oh, the on chicken Instagram cross videos. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because that's things like triceps out when you do like your, your tricep work because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you'll you know sometimes it's like you might damage your elbow or whatever, which is you know it doesn't make any sense to me. But it you know it's also like if you want to get you know the long head of bicep femoris working you've got to do it like this way and that way right. and like triceps you know you've, so you've got to you've do got your, your, lap, your lap pull downs of, yeah oh. you've got to do your lap yeah. pull downs with a wide grip with a reverse grip with a narrow grip behind the head in front of the head um and then you've got to do One you know session. the pilates version of it is you've got to do footwork in parallel in lateral rotation abducted lateral rotation adducted medial rotation you know heels on the bar toes on the bar uh you know, hip distance apart, whatever. And, and, and the idea is that basically you sort of stimulate different, you know, muscles or different fibers within a muscle, you know, by doing that. And, and I have to say there is some, there is a kernel of truth within that. Like, uh, it is the case that if, I mean, if you're an elite bodybuilder and you're just doing say squats or lunges, you're not going to adequately stimulate say the, the two joint, uh, hip flexor muscles and extensor muscles. So you're not going to adequately stimulate the, the, the hamstrings or the rectus femoris because they are two joint muscles. You need to isolate the hip or the knee. And then, you know, so you need to do like hamstring curls for your hamstrings (laughs) and you need to do, you know, uh, knee extension, you know, isolated knee extension for your rectus femoris. Now, so that's it. So if you want to get on stage as a bodybuilder, yes, you do need to probably think about isolating some muscles because you just can't get them in the big, you know, compound movements to the degree that you can when you isolate them. But, if if you're like if, if you're, you're anyone else, you don't have to. Right. If if you're literally if, everybody else. If you're not at the level of doing thirty-five sets per muscle, you know, <laughs> group. Yeah. Um, yeah. if you're just somebody who's like a regular, you know, middle aged or whatever aged person who, yeah. you know, wants to get a bit fitter and a bit stronger and a bit more flexible and have a bit more energy and a bit better mental health, it's like you don't need to, you know, target the, each head of triceps separately, you know, with different no. hand placement or different elbow flaring or not elbow flaring. Yeah. You don't need to do your footwork in seven different, you know, stance yeah. positions in order to stimulate the quads. It's going to make fuck all difference to your quad development and your glute yeah. development, whether you're doing lateral rotation or medial rotation or 
parallel rotation. Yeah, but also as the trainers, you you don't need to do that. Like I think, like if you look at what is what does this problem mean for for those that teach Pilates or any exercise really is they probably they feel the need that they have to do that kind of stuff. So I'm like, cool, I'm teaching my reformer class tonight. What are the different variations of footwork I'm going to do? I'm going to do yeah, like yeah, yeah. five, six different variations because if I don't, I'm not I'm not getting all the different muscles working in the legs. And I, there's there's no other possible way that I could teach my class if I'm not doing that. Like I've got to do my like back work, my rows with like, like you were saying, like wide grip, narrow grip, overhand, underhand, this, that, and the other. Because if I don't, there's going to be like, you know, I'm doing it wrong. There's, mm. there's muscle imbalances or I'm not targeting all the right muscles or I'm not targeting or isolating these specific muscles. Like I've got to do sideline leg and strap kind of stuff because I've got to target glute medius for, you know, whatever reason. Like it's, it, all it really does is it, for, for the client, it creates barriers for them to even start exercising because they look at it and go like, there's no way I can do any of that. Like I can't, I can't do 35 sets of like leg work because then I can't walk for six days and I don't want that. So I'm just not even going to bother. And then for the trainers, it's like you're creating barriers for yourself as well. Like, well, I want to teach Pilates and do this stuff, but I, I don't know anatomy enough. Like I could never work all that stuff out. I don't know how to target these fibers and those fibers, but the reality is, is you don't need to. You don't need just do a push up, dude. Just like. just literally do a push, and that's like I think like, you you go and do a lot of these Pilates classes where you maybe might be doing this kind of bodybuilding type focus, and they're like, right, let's do some like they go somewhere else or they're in a special class or whatever, and they do a push up and they they can't do it. So it's like you've spent all this time working on aesthetics of you know how your shoulder looks or your triceps or whatever, but like when it comes to doing a push-up you can't do a push-up and then they go like well what the hell am i doing because like for me push-ups should seem like something easy but they're not because i can't do them and that's not to say if you can't do a push-up you're doing something wrong but like you know you you spend all you'd expect after six months of pilates classes you'd be able to do at least one push-up you'd hope so i'd hope so you'd hope so because you if you're just doing general strengthening stuff then you should be able to bang out a push-up on your knees or toes for sure. I, like, I see a push-up as a fairly kind of general measure of upper body strength. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, what is it? It's the, I think it's 50% of your body weight goes through your, your yes, arms when you're like on your knees and yeah. then 65 or something on your toes. And that's pretty like if you could bench press 65% of your body weight, you'd, like, you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. So if you can do a push-up on your toes and – get like, you know, chest to floor and knock out a set of 10 push-ups on your toes, I'd consider you a pretty strong individual. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, 100%. All right, so this notion of kind of like, you know, we need to sort of target, you know, muscles from different angles, so to speak. You know, there is kind of a kernel of truth in it if you're like a high-level athlete or bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, that, you know, needs to develop a specific muscle or even a specific set of fibers within a specific muscle, you know, so like for instance, working, uh, you know, hamstring curls that in, in hip flexion will result in more distal hypertrophy of the, uh, biceps femoris. So more, you know, more yeah. muscle bulk in the, in the, in the 
the far end, you know, the knee end of the muscle, compared yeah. to if you do hamstring curls in hip extension or hip neutral, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's like the amount of difference is very, very small, right? So, yeah. like, it's like, you know, if, you, if you're talking about the difference between not exercising versus doing one set of squats a week, that difference is freaking huge. You know, you get yeah. heaps of yeah. them. But if yeah. you're talking about the difference between doing like, you know, five sets of squats a week versus doing five sets of squats and a set of hamstring, four sets of squats and a set of hamstring curls, it's like very, very minimal. Very, right? yeah. very minimal. Yeah. So, so really, we can, we really can just choose big, simple mo- compound movements that target, you know, the whole upper limb or the whole lower limb yeah. or the whole trunk or whatever. Um, and you yeah. can obviously get ones, you know, when you think of like planks and push-ups that do the trunk and the upper extremity, you know, the yeah. arms as well. Now, obviously, in a push-up, your legs are working too, but it's like, you know, whoever has stopped doing push-ups because their legs got <laughs> fatigued. <My> legs are, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes, your legs are working, but it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, you could do a thousand bazillion push-ups. Your legs aren't going to get much stronger from that. You know, you're going to yeah. need to. Well, you're, yeah, your abs work when you're doing a squat, but you're not stopping your squats because your abs. No, like, no. But your abs do work a, a lot during a squat. A lot. And uh, yeah. uh, so, actually, squats are a great way to strengthen your abs. Um, yeah. But they're just an what even, you, even greater you, way to strengthen were, your legs. Yeah, absolutely. If if you were to teach a Pilates class, a reformer or Matt or a former class, yeah. what you had fifty minutes to teach a reformer Pilates class, what would that look like? You knowing everything that you know now, what people sign up, you get ten people to come in and join Raph Bender's amazing, awesome strength training reformer class. What uh, would what would you do? Would you just do like heavy squats on the reformer, like who a barbell? Are the, who are the people? Who are, <laughs> who the, are people? the people? Yeah. Let's just go general population, just a, have, an have, array of people from their twenties to forties, and they're reasonably experienced in exercise. Okay, so this is like I'm I'm doing a guest spot at someone's studio, and they've been these yeah. you know these clients have been coming a couple of times a week for several months at least, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I would probably do a class that would combine some, you know, peaks of intensity for short, short peaks yeah. of intensity of very high load. So I would find exercises where they, you know, where I could load them up. They could only do like five to 10 reps before failure. Um, yeah. So things like lunges on no spring or, yeah. uh, you know, chest press on three full springs or, yeah. you know, full plank push-ups or... Yeah. long stretch on a half spring or a quarter spring or snake, you know, like things that are like, yeah, most people couldn't do more than 10, you know? 10, yeah. Um, and so, and I would, I would, I would intersperse that and 10 reps, right? It should take you like 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. You know, those yeah. are pretty, well, on the movement. Yeah. right. Pretty short exercises. Um, and so, and I would intersperse those with much longer periods of much lower intensity. And that could be fun stuff like feeding straps and mermaids, um, yeah. you know, you know, all kinds of, you know, just fun things that people go, oh yeah, this is, you know, can we do more of this sort of thing? It's like, yeah, you can yeah. do more of this uh, after legs, we do, and, after. legs and straps. Always. Can I do, can we do legs and straps today? All the time. Well, you've got to earn your Every legs time. and straps by doing your uh, full plank pushups. Yeah, that's true. You can if you knock out ten push-ups on your toes for me, I'll let you do legs and straps. There we go. Compromise. Um, yeah. So I, I would, and I would aim at you know like those big movements. I'll try and get them to be as much as possible, like either whole body movements, like planks and and snakes and 
long stretches and things like that. Uh, or, you know, at least big muscle groups. So like the whole lower body, like I would never, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't really do kind of big high intensity stuff just focused on say the calves or just focused on the quads yeah. or, you know, the glutes or whatever. It's like, well, why? Cause you could work all of those in one movement at the same time. So yeah. why, why Bang for your buck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it would look like, you know, maybe three sets of each of those big high intensity movements. Um, yeah. and you know, interspersed with, you know, a few minutes in between each set of mermaidy legs and strappy type things. Yeah. 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 So you wouldn't, you wouldn't, so for Pilates instructors out there, like should we even be bothered trying to isolate certain muscles and do those things? Like do you, do you see that there's merit in that? Uh, well, I know, uh, James Trenary does. Um, yeah. And I guess I can see his side of the argument that says that, well, people sort of, you know, one measure that clients kind of judge the efficacy of the workout by and also your your skill as an instructor is like, well, can you magically make their, you know, fucking superior fibers of lateral glute max, you know, burn at yeah. will, you know? Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> so like, you know, if, if, you're, yeah. if you're lying there doing your clams, you know, on the on the reformer or the mat or whatever. And I walk past and I'm, you know, move your hip a quarter of an inch forward. And all of a sudden you're like, fuck, that's burning. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, well, that's probably that situation of giving them what they want for what they need. Right. Uh, and, you know, so like, yeah, I can do that. It's because it just stems from an understanding of anatomy and like how you need to create forces, you know, put the body in alignment to gravity yeah. or whatever, or load so that yeah. you're putting force through that muscle. And I know you can do that as well. And I, so I think that that is a skill that quote impresses <laughs> some people, yeah. right? Yeah. If I say, I will yeah. now make your adductor magnus burn, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. great. We can do it. Um, but um, that's, you know, but that's not, you know, like, okay, so if you're doing your clamshells and I can make the, you know, superior lateral fibers of your glute max burn, that's not actually what makes that muscle stronger. (laughs) That's what's going to make it stronger is freaking lunges on no springs, you know, or or scooter with all the springs on or something like that. Yeah. Um, So, so is there a place for it? I don't know. Like I think I personally, I wouldn't do it in my class and it's not a value judgment on people doing it. It's just like, it bores me. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's not what you want. It's not Raph's amazing reformer Pilates class. Yeah, and, and I think each of us has got to be okay with, like, hey, this is me, <laughs> and if you don't like it, yeah. that's fine. I'm not offended, you know. Like, yeah. All I need is ten. All I need is ten. Ten people who do like it, you know. Yeah. Yep. Coming three times a week, and and again, like it doesn't matter if they're doing that kind of stuff because people will still have just general benefits from exercise you know like and, and happier healthier and whatever like that's you're still doing a really freaking awesome thing if you're doing all these super targeted isolated or quote-unquote isolated exercises and you know maybe you do have lots of bodybuilding type culture whether you know it as that or not in your pilates classes and that's fine because you're still getting people to come and exercise three times a week for an hour yeah, and if you're doing clams and burning people's butt and using booty bands, it's like, fuck, man, I don't judge. You're awesome. That You're getting people to move. That is awesome. Yeah. I've got no yeah. problem with people having strong bums 
got no problem with people wanting to have their bums poke out in certain directions and on the other directions. Like it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, junk in the trunk's fine. I'm just not personally into it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I just think yeah. yeah, just do squats. From you know, for me, my work, my butt workout looks like squats. Squats, deep, heavy squats. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, if I get bored with squats after a few months, I do lunges for a bit. You know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> deep, yeah. heavy lunges. But <laughs> yeah. So really, well, then if you. If you're working on a reformer and you want to add some load, like external load to it, so other than the springs, what about like uh, if I'm if I grab say like a heavy set of dumbbells, so like 10, 12 plus kilo dumbbells and hold them by my side while I do my lunges? Yeah, sure. Like that that that'd be pretty stimulating. I, I would think. Yeah. If it's if it's heavy enough where you can't do say more than yeah like. 10-ish reps before you have to kind of stop for 30 seconds and then start up again. Like that's probably, I think you're probably ticking a box there. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, if you do now, you know, like I said, sort of right towards the start is, you know, you can train for kind of strength and power and speed and they're kind of like the athletic you know, attributes that basically regardless of what yeah. sport you're in, what regardless of what sport you're in, you'll probably be better at your sport if you're stronger, faster and more powerful. You know, yeah, I'd say so. Unless your sport is like snooker or something like that, um, <laughs> chess <laughs> or, or bodybuilding. If your sport is bodybuilding, bodybuilding is right. a sport, right? And so, you know, but if you're in like you know, play with the ball sports or combat sports or you know, racing, you know, running, swimming, high jumping, like stronger, more powerful, and faster is going to translate to better performance in most of those sports. So, yeah. you know, so in athletic strength and conditioning. You know, that's, those are basically the attributes that we're concerned with developing in the strength and conditioning world is like, okay, how can we make this person stronger, more powerful and faster? And, and strength is the ability to move a very heavy load. So if you can move a heavier load, that means you're stronger. Um, whereas yeah. speed is the ability to move just your body really fast, right? So no external yeah. load, just your body. And power is kind of like the hybrid between the two. So power is the ability to move kind of a light to moderate load pretty fast. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So that would, you know, in, in, in sport, you know, power would translate to something like, you know, throwing a shot put or throwing a javelin yeah. or, you know, pushing, you know, your, the water, you know, as you swim, like, you know, moving the water or a wrestler throwing somebody or, you know, like basically you're moving a relatively light external object, like relatively light as in like, you know, less than your body weight sort of thing yeah. um, that, and you're doing it fast. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so to develop maximum strength, you need to train with something like 80 to 90% of your maximum, right? So that's a load yep. you can't do more than 10 reps. To develop speed, you need to train with no load, right? And you should just move really freaking fast. So that if you were like a track athlete or a grass sports athlete, you would do things like bounds, hops, you know, sprints, yeah. sprints. You know, yeah. that kind of thing, right? Um, plyometric stuff, you know, jumping off boxes and then jumping up as high as you can straight away and elastic recoil training. And to develop power, you should lift loads that are like, you know, I'm going to say 30 to 40%, somewhere around there. I might yeah. be a bit off. I haven't yeah. looked at the research recently, but somewhere around a bit yeah. less than half of your, you know, maximum that you can lift, but you need to lift it really fucking fast. So, yeah. um, so, um, my current training looks like uh for my lower body looks like lifting uh about what am i doing i've got uh, say 50 60 so i'm lifting maybe 35 percent of my maximum right 
Yeah. And I'm going as fast as I can. I'm doing a lunge and, and, yeah. and I'm just, I'm standing up from the bottom of the lunge as quickly as I can. Like, like I'm trying to jump into the air, but I can't actually jump because the weight, too, heavy. too much yeah. weight. Yeah. But yeah. So basically, I'm I'm trying to move as quickly as I can, and as soon as I start to slow down noticeably, which is about a twenty percent velocity loss, you, you that's when you stop, right? Because if you keep yep. going to fatigue, you actually reduce your power and speed that you're producing. So to 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 work on power and speed, you actually need to stop, you know, significantly before fatigue. So so translating that to a Pilates class, right? If you can give somebody a heavy enough pair of dumbbells that, that it's, you know, 30 to 40% of their maximum, which is, I think is very feasible in a lunge, right? Because you only use yeah. one, one leg. Um, yeah. Then you can work on muscular power by having them like stand up out of lunge as quickly as possible. Quickly. Yeah. And like I'm cooked in seven reps on that, you know. At, yeah. And when I say cooked, I mean, I could continue, but I would slow down noticeably and I wouldn't get more powerful because I'd be training slow and training slow doesn't yeah. make you fast. No. Yeah. Funnily. So do you think that there's like a middle ground there between like athletic training and bodybuilder training for Pilates? Like, is there something in the middle where we're like, what is it? Just general strengthening, do some push ups, some lunges. You, there might be times where you're moving fast. There might be times where you're moving slow, but ultimately we're not too concerned about athletic jumping power, speed, sprinting stuff. And we're not too concerned about getting your rear delts activated when you're doing, you know, dumbbell work. Like, is, yeah. there, is there something in the middle there? Well, I think, I think you can do all of the above. I mean, you've got a 50 minute class and you've got, you know, basically general population. So, you know, you only need to do like three sets per exercise you know, for pe- yeah. you know, per movement, you know. So I'm not talking about like, you know, seven different versions of bicep curls and doing three of each. I'm just talking like three exercises that hit your biceps in some way, shape or form. And that could yeah. be exercises that the same exercise also hits every other muscle in your upper body, you know. Yeah. So, so basically- Like a row. Like a row, exactly. Or like a push. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, basically you can just do upper body push, upper body pull, right? Bam, that's all your upper body muscles. <laughs> Yeah. Done. See you later. Thanks for coming, guys. <laughs> right. Um, and you don't need to do isolated triceps or biceps or deltoids or whatever. But, you know, so I, I guess, you know, if, if we were constructing like a class that, you know, would would satisfy, you know, what I think people will benefit from long term with also yep. what will excite them in the, and motivate them in the short term. Um, yep. I would do so combination of strength, power, and speed, and I would isolate some muscles. So whether that's glutes or whatever muscles they see as like the desirable ones, Important. you know, yep. to isolate. Now, yep. I might know that they've already done like ample glute strengthening when we did those explosive lunges last, you know, 20 minutes ago, right? But yeah. in their mind, like, you know, it's the clams that are the magic ingredient <laughs> in the yep. workout. <laughs> Because yeah. that's where they yeah. can feel the burn, you know. And like burn. I said before, I don't have a, a an ethical, you know, issue with that. But uh, I guess my my preference is to focus on the strength, power, and speed st- and range of motion. Obviously, you'd be working through range, which is going to enhance their range of motion. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't be opposed to giving people some burn in their X Y Z muscle if they, you know, if that was important to them. You know, I'm not going to withhold yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Maybe like at the end of the class when you've done all the stuff that's going to make them 
you know, super strong. And you're like, cool, now we can do our like Bernie type exercises, you know, do a little bit of glute stuff to get before you like, so it's kind of like giving them what they sort of feel like they want right towards the end of the class, you know, do your, do your Pilates 100s or whatever and get like your, you know, that tough burning sensation in your, in your six pack knowing that's like, well, cool. We've already done like a whole bunch of like full body rotational bending exercises, heavy squats, lunges type things, which is going to get your abs going just the same, if not more, but you know, I've kind of ticked the box that I want. And then now you guys kind of get what you want sort of thing. Right. And you know, you can also, I mean, yeah, and I wouldn't be opposed to doing that at all, but I, I would probably sort of start by saying, like you just say you came to my class for the first time and you were like, oh, you know, I'm really looking forward to doing some nice isolated butt work, you know, today because that's really important to me. Yeah. Um, and I'd say, well, I naturally, you know what, we're going to do a shitload of butt work today, but it's not going to be isolated. So yeah. what you're probably going to experience in class is like, you just feel like, oh, my, I'm just got this general sense of I'm really fucking tired. <laughs> right? Fine. And this yeah. exercise is getting yeah. hard, but you won't necessarily be feeling it in any, in any specific place. But what you'll yeah. probably notice around about lunchtime tomorrow, or maybe, in, maybe towards dinner time tomorrow is you'll start to notice that, you know, your inner thighs and your butt are getting really stiff and sore, right? Yeah. And that is because they're going to be working really fucking hard during today's class, but you won't necessarily feel the burn, right? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I'll be, I look forward to hearing what you've got to say next time when you come back about whether that was your experience or not. Right? Yeah. And if, well, if you, I think if they come back, that they've obviously enjoyed it. Like, you know, if they're coming back in the door, if they've had that experience and then they've decided I'm going to give it another go, yeah. yeah, obviously it's worked. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty confident that if, if I get someone in who's never done like deep barbell, sorry, dumbbell explosive lunges, right? Yeah. And if we do like two sets of those at their 10 RM or heavier, like I'm like 99% confident they will have DOMS, you know, soreness in their butt and inner thighs the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which isn't a marker of a great workout. No, but. But it's kind of important to people for whatever reason. Whereas I hate it. I hate feeling sore. Like it's not important to me at all, but I know that it is for a lot of people. Right. And so, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, I think about the, the, you know, basically people I think want, you know, sort of evidence of your competence as a polite instructor, yes. right? And I think yeah. for whatever reason, part of that people think is related to your ability to make them feel it in certain parts of their body or not feel it in other parts of their body. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, is a very important, you know, goal or skill. But, no. um, but you know, I think if you can say to someone, hey, look, this exercise, you're probably not going to feel it in your butt when we do it, but I'm pretty sure you're going to feel it in your butt tomorrow, right? And if yeah. they feel it and then they're doing it in a class, I'm like, yeah, I can't really feel it. And the next day they wake up and they go, fuck, my butt's on fire. They're like, fuck, that ref really knows what he's talking about, you know? Yeah, like, I'm going back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I want more. So, And you can achieve the same effect by just moving the hip forward a quarter of an inch in clams and suddenly they feel it in their glutes or, yeah. you know, you know, moving their, forward, their foot forwards half an inch on the floor in a lunge to make it harder or putting their foot further out along the carriage when they're inside splits on a light spring to make it harder. Yeah. You know, like they're, you know, if you know the equipment and you know the biomechanics and you know how to adjust forces on the body to make it harder, you know, you but can. That's hard to do. That's hard to know that stuff where it's easy to just be like, cool, just, let's, we're just going to make it heavy enough or hard enough 
that you can't do lots of reps. Like that's a pretty simple thing for an instructor to go like, oh yeah, I could probably do that. Yeah. But like listening to being like, oh, you know, yeah, move your, move your hip a quarter of an inch this way and you're going to feel these fibers working. Like that, that as a, you know, starting out as a Pilates instructor, there's no way you're going to be confident that you know what you're doing with that. And you shouldn't really need to. Like it's not. No, not you shouldn't. That important. You like you're putting you're putting value on the wrong. Yeah. So just, so all right. So numbers. so when you're training when you're training instructors, yep. you know what do you emphasize? Like what do you see as the foundational you know important skills? And um, you know, so we've we're we've kind of moved past hopefully the aesthetics, the language of that, isolating muscles, sort of massive fatigue and overload, you know, over complexifying yep. things. You know, so so you know, what do you see as sort of foundational skills? Or right, let me re- let me reframe it. Let me sort of reframe this slightly. Okay, so if we've basically said, all right, so just say, you know, if 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 it is the case that there's a Pilates instructor out there, okay, who's listening to this and going, okay, well, fuck, that's everything that I do on a daily basis, yeah. right? <laughs> so so <laughs> what the what the fuck cute. do I do? You know, like all right, so yeah. if I, if I don't, you know, teach people to fire their right anterior fucking glute med or whatever um and we're not shocking muscles and we're not isolating muscles and it's not about making your butt poke out more or less in a certain direction or whatever it's like well what what do i do like what is my job as a movement instructor and why don't i just go and work as a barista you know like yeah yeah Yeah. i think um yeah you probably touched on this earlier when i said like what would you do in a class like i think you it's if you just adequately load people in different exercises. Like I'm going to load your lower body here for a little bit. Then I'm going to load your upper body and then we're going to do some like, you know, some abdominal based exercises with load or however that looks. Like I think if you understand that mechanism and that principle, you're going to pretty quickly have quite a bit of success. Uh, Like in the past when I've run workshops um, and we talk about like, you know, strength, training like how how do i get stronger um and what you touched on before about like that velocity loss and basically like you start doing the movement and then as you get more and more tired it starts to slow down each rep i think what in my experience what people don't realize is when you're doing certain reformer exercises with like the springs it's really really low load like you can do often you're doing like 30 plus reps so Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that deter? That's like that's a very light load, isn't it? That's cardio, like light load. Basically, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And so you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to put on this full spring, and we're going to do this upper body exercise. But then you're doing that exercise for two minutes or thirty to forty to fifty reps, and thinking like, well, this is how I make people strong, right? Like that's one full spring. That's pretty heavy. It's like, well, it subjectively, yes, it feels heavy, but it's actually not a heavy load. So what I've done is like, you know, you might do some, like if you say you have the foot bar sort of all the way up, right? You put on, what I get these guys to do is put on like three springs. So it might be like full spring, half spring, quarter spring or something or whatever it looks like, three springs. So it's now it's fairly heavy. And then I'll get them to like hold onto the foot bar. And you basically do like a, like a chest press, like just pressing the carriage in and out. So you're kneeling on the carriage pressing your chest comes towards the foot bar and then you press away from the bar. And with like three heavy springs on, I'll just say we're, we're just going to do 
as many reps as we can. I'm going to time it, see how long it takes, and I want all of you to keep going until you physically can't do another rep. So don't stop when it gets hard. Stop when you actually can't do it. And even then, they're still pumping out like some of them will get like 12, 15, 20 plus reps. And if you have touched on now that it's like, well, strength really is going to be like 10 reps or less. If you're telling, that's with three springs on. So if you've got one spring on, you know, you're going to be doing 30 to 40 reps. So unless you're willing to get people to, you know, sit and do that one same exercise for three minutes continuously, which they'll probably get bored of, you're probably going to stop before you even get anywhere near to that. So really you've just done a little bit of movement and then you move on to the next thing and you haven't really got any benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when, when, when you go through that and you do this little exercise with them and they realize like how many reps they can actually do, they're like, Oh wow. Like I really am sort of underloading people in some of these exercises. Like if I've got a really, really light spring on and I've got the strap around my foot and I'm doing some sort of clam fire hydrant, you know, sort of thing. That's again, you, that's a very, very light load. And so you're going to be able to do enormous amounts of reps, which is just not really, like you said, it's probably closer to the end of like the spectrum of cardio because you're, you're probably going to start to get out of breath by just do like doing all these movements for so long, as opposed to like actually, actually get you stronger. So like, if you, if you can understand that, then all of a sudden you start to load people a bit more, you're a bit more confident with telling people to be like, no, let's, let's grab like the heaviest set of dumbbells that are available because we're, we're not going to do heaps of reps because we don't need to basically. I'm not going to ask you to do it because I know that there's actually no, you know, or little to less benefit than if I just get you to do, heavier springs or heavier dumbbells and do fewer reps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think that's probably where I would in the past that's, and you know, still do. That's where I focus my intention with um, when I'm talking to people about Pilates and the reformer based training, like, well, let's, let's start to actually understand what adequately loading people looks like and forget about the aesthetics or this, that or the other. And I've got to do, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 exercises in a class, like you really don't need to. You can you can fill a 50-minute session with doing, you know, probably eight to ten exercises. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you, you're actually going to get more benefit. Not, And I think some people think if I put more exercise in my class, like the more exercises I do, the more successful the class is because I've given people so much. But really you just haven't really given enough of anything. Yeah. And yeah. I, I I actually saw interesting a couple of studies um, just this week from one from the General Strength and Conditioning Research and the other is from uh, they're both from General Strength and Conditioning Research one's from two thousand seven one's from two thousand eight and they both looked at um, self selected resistance training intensity in women and so basically let women just in loose in the gym and said hey go and you know choose, choose, do some bench press or some leg press you know chest press or whatever they did and yep. and then they looked at how much they selected and how many reps they did and then uh then they actually later on you know let them recover whatever got those same women back in and did their you know tested their maximum and figured out okay what was the what was the weight required to stimulate strength gains and what they found was basically universally all the women um and these were untrained women um yep. they selected loads that were way too light like about 50%. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
um, of what they needed to stimulate strengthening. Yeah. So basically what that means is if you let them choose, they'll underload themselves. Yes, yeah. So then your job as the instructor is to know how to adequately load them. Yes. And so if you're also selecting, you know, springs or dumbbells or whatever it is or exercises where they can do 30, 40, 50 reps, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Load them up. Load them up. Put them like, you know, get, like you said, like doing a push up on your knees or toes is a pretty good measure of upper body strength. So like every now and then, like at the, you know, every other week with the same group of people that you see, get them to try and do some push ups, mm. and like, hopefully over the weeks of your training, they're going to start to be able to do more and more push-ups or do from push-ups from the knees and they can go up into their toes or whatever it is. That to them and to you is a pretty good sign that like whatever you're doing seems to be working. Right. And you should be able, you know, and it should be progressive. Like you should increase, should be able to increase the load over time as they get stronger. Yeah. Right. So if you're still, yeah. if you, if you're still doing sort of upper body work on one full spring, like, you know, two years after you've started Pilates, it's like, well, you know, you're not getting stronger. That's not gonna, no, no. Nah. You're doing cardio training. Right. Which is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with some cardio training, but like, you know, we need we need some of that, but we also need to be strong. We mm. can't just be fit and not strong. So, All right. so just like so yeah. So don't over complexify it. Just, you know, choose some real simple, you know, upper body push, upper body pull and some kind of squat lunge, you know, variation, footwork, whatever whatever it might be, but with sufficient yeah. load to, yeah. you know, so they can only do basically 10 or fewer, you know, five to 10 reps, you know. Um, and so for footwork, for a lot of people, you know, there's not enough springs on a reformer to no. that someone could only do 10 reps of footwork. But what if you get like, get them doing single leg jumping footwork or something, right? Yeah. On all the springs. Okay. A lot of people will find that by the time they get to 10 reps, it gets pretty fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yeah. Um, and so that could be a good level, um, or, you know, scooter on all, you know, explosive scooter on all of the springs, something. So yeah. with, um, yeah, so you, you know, there, there definitely are options. And I think, you know, the other thing that I'd just like to touch on before we finish, cause we are getting up for finishing time is that I think, you know, as movement professionals, as Pilates instructors, there absolutely is, you know, fucking humongous value in what we do. Like there's just unbelievable yeah. value in what we do because, yeah. you know, and I a hundred percent know that I'm totally preaching to the choir with you on this. Aiden, and I, I imagine I'm pre, I hope I'm preaching to the choir with everybody listening to this as well. If you're listening to this, you know, hopefully you, know, you wouldn't be listening if you didn't already agree with this, but um, you know, movement is just one of the most potent forces for good, you know, available yeah. to humanity, you know, it, the best superpower. It just makes everything better. You know, it, yeah. it improves lifespan. It improves life quality. It improves mental health. It improves functional ability. Like it, it just, there's almost, you know, every sort of health condition benefits to some degree from exercise, whether exercise can cure the condition or reduce the symptoms or increase survivability or just improve yeah. mental health and the ability to tolerate, you know, to tolerate, you know, the disease progression. So, you know, even people with stage four cancer, like benefit from exercise, like exercise is so fucking good. good. <laughs> and yeah. it, there's, there's nothing bad about it. You know, it's not like, yeah. oh, this drug that is fantastic, but there's this other side effect. Like exercise doesn't have bad side effects. 
right? I mean, if, you know, unless you get totally obsessive by it, like, you know, about it, like we talked at the start, but basically, yeah. you know, going for a walk, doing a Pilates class, whatever, it's like, there's nothing bad about that, you know. It's, it's better all, than nothing. It's all good. So, like, what we do as movement professionals is so fucking valuable and so important for people and, you know, we'll make the world such a better place by doing it. So it's yeah. really important what we do. And there is a massive skill involved in in doing a good job. But it just turns out that I think, and this is the part that, you know, maybe you already know this if you're listening and maybe you don't, but the the skill turns out to be less about the technical you know, the mechanics of which muscle you're targeting or whatever, right, turns out to be much more about how do you facilitate that person's intrinsic motivation to keep them coming back so they get the benefits because they're going to get the benefits of just if they move, you know, like doesn't even fucking matter which muscles you target. If they just show up and move a couple of times a week, life gets much better. So. Our job as exercise professionals is let turns out to be less about you know choosing the perfect cue or facilitating the perfect alignment and more about how do you just make it fun so that they yeah. keep coming Get them back. In the door. Yeah, ninety percent of your job is done as soon as they walk upstairs or come into the room. Like that's pretty much it. And then ten percent there is just like get them strong, have them a good time, have a laugh. Done. Right. Like if they're coming back, you've you've pretty much done your job. Right. Regardless of what you did. Right. And if you just load them up enough so that they do get strong, and you know they're getting strong because after a while you have to add more load because it's not challenging enough. They can all of a sudden they can do yeah. 15 reps with a, they can do 15 push ups instead of 10 push ups. They can do 15 lunges instead of 10 lunges. Well, then you know you're doing it right and you've got to add more load. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll notice that in, they'll notice, they'll notice that in their everyday life too. I can climb stairs easier. I can get out of a chair easier. I can run better. I can, you know, they'll notice, they'll notice the influence of that, the benefit of that strength, enhanced strength, you know. In, in so many different areas of their life. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. You hit the nail on the head, Raph. Good chat. Great chat. That was awesome. Thanks, Aiden. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So Rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. 
this is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.